Hello. Hi. Welcome to Truly Fabulously Monstrous. A podcast about true crime and cryptids. I am half of your host, Hattie James. I am your other half of your host, Ace. Hi, Ace. Hello, Hattie. We meet again. Yes. (laughs) Take two of this recording because the cloud that belongs to the software we're recording on that shall remain nameless um because they don't sponsor us no and <laughs> i don't want them to because they're crap and they're poopy even though i pay them um decided to d- delete the file <laughs> uh, so take two on this recording take three on this particular story yes Third time's the charm. Yes. Uh, And take two on the, um, I need to talk about the whoopsie poopsie from the last episode. Oh, right. The whoopsie poopsies. First off, I'm bad at math. Um, Edith was born in 1893, which means when she met Frederick Bywaters in 1920, she wasn't 23. She was 26. She was turning 27 that December. In your defense, I am equally mad at math because I just blindly accepted your logic. Yeah. You said that and I was like, sounds right. Math would never lie to us. Yeah, no, there was an eight, almost nine year age difference between the two of them. And uh, because she died like three-ish years later when she was 29. So she was 26. Um, the other oopsie was when I was talking about how the police found the letters talk uh, from Edith, not only professing her love and talking about the abortion that she claimed that she did um, at home DIY, um, and, but also like all the plans she had to kill Percy. I meant to say, not only did it give Frederick a motive for killing Percy, but it also uh, implicated Edith. I said the word alibi, which is the exact opposite of motive, because when you have an alibi, they usually don't charge you with the murder. That's um, true. Yes, it gave him a motive. motive. Um, I didn't I have, pick up. I didn't pick up on that until I was listening to it after the episode was posted. And I just like you said in the meeting, you're like the files up on the drive if you want to like test it before we post it. And I listened to the whole thing and was like, sounds great. Let's post it. I caught that when I was editing it, but I literally, I was like, okay, I'm editing this. I have, I have three options. I have three options. Uh, so option one is I could just record myself, like grab my phone and record myself going 26 motive and just splice it over it um that would be the you have reached the voicemail box of (laughs) patty yes um that would be the the easiest for me but the messiest for audio quality version the hardest and worst and um ace would kill me way would be me going hey ace i made two whoopsies oh we need to re-record the whole thing as we re-record the whole thing. Yeah, of a different episode, though. <laughs> but if it was just because I'm dumb with my words, you would have probably been like, no. <laughs> like, no. Um, so I decided on no. posting something incorrect and just making an apology the next episode. What we're talking about, all eight of our listeners are going, oh, wait, you said... That's not math. And you said alibi, you're dumb for like five days. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so yeah, so oopsie, sorry. I have word dissociation issues. It is part of my mental 
disorders. I don't know which one because my I'm in the process of getting re-diagnosed. Um, but I basically say the wrong word sometimes. And then my husband never lets me live it down. Like when I pointed to, because uh, I live in, uh, in New England. And New England has the tail end of the Appalachian Mountains, like with the White Mountains and the Green Mountains and all that. Uh, so there's mountains and it's beautiful. And I'm driving and I'm usually, I see mountains everywhere. You go to a town, you look out the window, you're like, mountain. Mountains. Mountain. Mountains. Um, so I'm driving and it's just the, the day, the lighting, the, the atmosphere, like the time of the year, the mountains are just breathtaking. And I'm driving and I kind of like, elbow my husband and I point and I'm like oh my god look at the trees <laughs> and he still doesn't let me live it down to this day I forget what I'm saying as I'm saying it I do that too like as and that's just I see you you have diagnoses and you're getting re-diagnoses I have no diagnoses I know what I have but I don't have diagnoses for them so when stuff happened, we'd be like, oh, we made a mistake on this episode. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I didn't catch it because I just blindly accepted that what you tell it, you were telling me was true. Because I'm like, mm. Yeah, I started typing out my notes as opposed to when we last were recording the podcast. I put everything on a steno pad <laughs> because um, I now have um, a harbinger, which means I have been um, pregnant. Pregnant. Um, you have mom brain. I do. It's else. soup. Everything in here is soup. So <laughs> if I don't have it in like neat typed writing, um, I'm going to be like, I, I can't read my own writing. And I saw not to be that person that's like, I saw a TikTok and this TikTok said the thing, but I saw this TikTok. She used the most beautiful terminology that I was like I must use this from now on and she described herself as having rocks for brain disease <laughs> yeah no I say I just my brain is soup uh but the thing that upsets me the most and hurts my hubris the most when it comes to ah, my hubris. Made a, yeah that with the last episode I typed it out I typed out the word motive in my actual notes, it said when she was 26 years old, she met 18-year-old Frederick Bywaters, and I just decided to paraphrase. Your eyeballs saw that, and your brain went, but no, that can't possibly be right. Yes, <laughs> well, and, I and I decided to paraphrase. And by the way, if you heard rustling, it's because I'm holding tonight's notes and waving them frantically to prove a point uh, to the camera to ace. But no, I decided I was just going to paraphrase because I could do it. So I said, let me take you back a few years to when she first met Frederick Bywaters, completely re rewrote that paragraph. And then so when you said, how old was she? Uh, instead of just looking up at where I, where I put when she was 26 years old, I looked all the way up to the top where it said that she was born in 1893 and then did bad math. <laughs> If you hear any weird noises on my end, it's because I have the like world's creakiest computer chair, and every oh, no. time I shift, it goes. I have essentially the same chair as you, and I'm doing the same thing. My back hurts today, and I've got uh, sciatic issues from you know carrying a child in my womb. Oh, see, uh, you have the actual reason to have sciatic nerve pain. 
uh, my reason for the sciatic nerve pain is I'm just fat and I have terrible posture. Uh, I was just. I'm gonna... a large person and I sit like hunched over in front of a computer for 12 hours a day. It's okay. I have TMJ apparently because of my bad posture. I've been going. We all have TMJ. I have TMJD. <laughs> there you go. I was like, TMJ just means that you have a temporomandibular joint. Most people. You have issues with your TMJ. Sorry, my dad's a dentist and he drilled that terminology into my head real good. Yeah. So I've been having um, what I first thought was tooth pain and then I thought was sinus pain. And I've been having like awful headaches for almost a decade. And I went to the emergency room like in March after a month of just this awful facial pain. I was because I thought like I had a bad infection, I had bone disease, a bone necropathy or something I had going on. Bonitis. Yeah. And they, they did an exam and they're like, I think you have a TMJ disorder. Uh, so go see a specialist. And it took me three months to get into a specialist. Finally went to the specialist. They're like, okay, so yeah, we're going to do x-rays and a full exam. But first I, I'm concerned about your headaches because you're saying that they're throbbing. They're on one side uh, and you've had them for a decade. Uh, so we need to rule out different things. Do you have a history of any uh, like cardiovascular issues in your brain? Like and I said, yeah, I actually do. My, um, my grandma had a stroke. My brother had a stroke in his 20s. And my mother had to get a um, embolization done of an arterial venous malformation um, in her brain. So they went, okay, so we're going to do an MRI and an MRA. So we're going to check to see if you have any tumors, any hemorrhages, any aneurysms, any strokes, any AVMs. So their uh, eyes gonna... just kept getting bigger and bigger as you were listing yeah. all the issues. And you're like, okay, we're going to add some things to this list. Yeah. So they, I went, I got the MRI done. They, they, they had me go back and do like this like 3D facial x-ray, like this panoramic to see if I had any like bone decay or to see if my I had like arthritis or any like issues with the the joint itself like if the the disc was displaced or missing or the cartilage um surrounding it like was was all deteriorated like they did like they did all the tests and then I had to go back three weeks later and they they did like a, a physical exam and then at the end of it they had me watch this video on all the things that can go wrong with your your TMJ and then she came back in and she's like so your MRI came back and it was fine. It's like, okay, like these are your x-rays. You have nothing wrong. What is wrong is um, your neck muscles are so tight that I think you need to go to a physical therapist. And she said, and I can tell by your posture alone that you've been sitting there holding your neck muscles like this for, for a while, for a long time. So the answer was, you're stressed and you tense your muscles too much. Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. All right. Anyways, I've, we've been chatting for a while. We should probably get to, uh, <laughs> get to, uh, re- get to the stories. Yes. Uh, so I hate this. I freaking hate this. I hate the way I planned this. Uh, two years ago now I hate the way I retyped it last week I hate the way I did it last week and now I have to redo it again I hate I hate this so we're just gonna get into it I'm talking about goat men I love it and I thought if you're gonna talk about goat men 
you originally have to talk about the OGs. You originally have to talk about the OGs. So you need to talk about the myths, the, 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 the Greek and Roman mythology. So I took a class called uh, Ancient Greece and Near East in um, grad school. Uh, and we did a whole part of it uh, learning about like the mythologies of the area. So a lot of this is from my noggin. I used Wikipedia and um, a few other sources that I found on Wikipedia to just like make sure that I had the the, the wording correct and had the stuff like correct. Um, but a lot of this comes from my noggin. So um, <clears throat> yeah. So let me start by talking about the Roman mythology. So there was a god called Faunus or Fauna. Uh, and he was a horned god of the forest. Uh, the name stems from the Proto-Italic word fa or faono, which means like merciful. So he was horny. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to, I had to do it once. I had to do it once. Yeah. So Faunus is considered to be one of the oldest Roman deities. He's an OG. He was a legendary king of the Latin, I, well, the king of uh, Latium. Uh, he was able to reveal the future to those who fell asleep in his, I guess, jurisdiction uh, by communicating within their dreams. And that's according to Marcus Terentius Vero. And, but according to Virgil, you know, the, the epic poet dude, uh, oracles would consult his shade as a goddess named Fatus in the sacred groves of Tiber, as well as in the Aventine Hills of ancient Rome. He was the son of Picus, who was the first king of Latium, right. and the grandson of Saturn. Mm. Very nice ancestral lineage. Uh, and, you know, his, son, his father is the first king of Latium, which also makes him a king of Latium, as I already stated. Uh, so his mother was said to be a nymph named uh, Marika. I think I'm saying that right. It might have been Marsha, and I mistyped it. I'm, I don't care. But the important thing is that she was a nymph. She was a nymph. Uh, there's a lot of those in this story. Uh, there's a goddess of the forest called Fauna, sometimes Fatua, who is um, always associated with uh, Faunus. And depending on which text or legend you are reading, she is either considered his sister, his daughter, or his wife. Um... It's not that there's incestual stuff going on. It's that whoever's writing it just changes it. Well, here's the thing about myths. People do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, another female deity associated with Faunus is Bonadia, who is the goddess of chastity and fertility. And some texts refer to Bonadia as, Faun as, as uh, Faunus's daughter. Okay. Uh, so... With the increasing influence of Greek mythology during the interpretation Romana, which is where the Romans began to identify their own deities with the Grecian ones, Faunus began to be associated with the Greek god Pan. I hate Pan. <laughs> Pan was the pastoral god of shepherds who resided in Arcadia. And it's worth noting that literarily, though, um, they are associated um, as in, so in a literary context, they are often um, combined to be the same Right. Deity. Okay. Uh, but mythologically, they were sometimes kept separate. So there are myths in which they both ex existed in the same, I guess, universe. Okay. So Pan is, in most cases, considered the son of Hermes and a wood nymph. The witch nymph uh, varies depending on the text. It's either Dryope, Penelope, not to be confused with Odysseus's wife, or uh, Manitania. 
So what I'm hearing is that Hermes could get it. I guess. <laughs> uh, my most, the most interesting take on Pan's lineage is that Penelope, to be confused with Odysseus's wife, because in fact Odysseus's wife uh, slept with all 108 of her suitors during her husband's odyssey, and the result of all 108 men entering her bedchamber, pun intended, was that she gave birth to a god named Pan. Uh, somehow he magically had 108 fathers. I don't know. I didn't I didn't read the text. In I'm going to be honest. Odysseus was gone for a long time. It was an odyssey. And and, and he, he did got bored. And, he and also, when he got back, he killed all of them. Yes, and also um he was not faithful during his odyssey. Oh, no, he sure was not. There was a whole island about that. Yes, there was. Uh, so earlier texts also list his father instead of as Hermes as Apollo and his mother as Penelope, the wood nymph. One record even suggests that there are two different pans, one who is the son of Hermes and Penelope, the wood nymph, and another who is the son of Zeus and a nymph named Hybris. Because of course Zeus has to be in here of somewhere. And we, and we know, we do know that Zeus could and did get it. <laughs> yeah. So I already said I hate Pan. He's a bastard. I'm going to explain why. It seems like no one wanted him. Uh, <laughs> there was a nymph, again, a nymph uh, named Pytus, uh, who turned into a pine tree just to escape him. Uh, uh, there was a nymph named Echo, who was a beautiful singer and a wonderful dancer, and she was known to turn down any man who professed their love. And Pan professed his love, so she turned him down. And this pissed him off. So in typical, he what I'm guessing is a typical... Sorry? He couldn't read the room? <laughs> no, he couldn't read the room. Uh, and in what I, from what I remember, in typical Greek myth fashion, uh, he ordered her to be killed. Uh, and his followers found her, killed her, and tore her into pieces, scattering the pieces all over the earth, where they were found by the earth goddess Gaia, who retrieved the pieces of Echo. And you can still hear her repeating your last words to this day. And that's how we get Echoes. Uh, there are more uh, stories about this, uh, which are more tragic, but that's the one that stood out to me the most. That's the one I remember learning about, um, and that's the one that I have a vague recollection of reading. All right, so uh, you know pan flutes, right? Yep. They're very annoying. Do you want to know how they got their name? I surely do. Okay. Well, according to Greek myth, Pan was just doing his thing one day in the woods when he came across a nymph named Syrinx, who was returning home from just, you know, she finished a hunt. She was on her way home. She comes across Pan. And um, she was, apparently he was annoying her. She, he was like advancing on her. She didn't want this. She was very annoyed. So she ran away. And he, like a toxic masculine character, uh, followed her. And he didn't stop. And she ran and he followed. So she, finally she ran to her sisters, who turned her into a reed in order for her to escape him. And Pan realized this, and he was all upset, but then he realized that when the wind blew on the reeds, they made a beautiful melody. And he didn't know which reed uh, the sisters had turned, uh, turned her into. So he just chopped down like seven or nine of them, depending on which version of the myth you're reading, uh, cut them into varying lengths, uh, lashed them together uh, from smallest to largest, and boom, there's a pan flute. Which so he would... he, his reaction was he may or may not have murdered her. 
so that he could blow on her for eternity yes <sighs> boom pan bloop ever hear the folk song about the guy who found a dead girl in a pond and so he built a violin out of her bones no uh, that sounds like a more romantic story than what pan just did still better love story than twilight <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Pan, despite the stories I just read, he's often regarded as a sexual icon. By men, by men. Men consider him a sexual icon. He's often depicted with a phallus. He is a phallus. And uh, sexually libidinous women were often referred to as Pan girls. I don't like that. Neither do I. But surprise, Pan was half goat he was depicted as half goat uh and apparently he once hid his goat form by wrapping himself in a sheepskin in order to convince celine the moon goddess to come down and he fucked the moon first of all the moon is a lesbian and i don't believe for a second that she fucked a goat man second of all i love that his reasoning was uh how do i hide my goat legs i know a sheep (laughs) (laughs) so as i just mentioned Pan was goat-like in his appearance. Mr. Tumnus. And uh, Faunus was a horned god of uh, the forest, and uh, Pan was a half-goat god of the shepherds, and during this interpretation Romana, uh, Pan's features and characteristics started being blended into Faunus's. As such, Faunus took on a more goat-like appearance, which is why I I mentioned him in the beginning. Another thing that Pan could do was he could separate himself into little pans. Um, and those little pans, because of this interpretation Romana, it became assumed that Faunus could also have smaller faunuses, or as they began to be called, either Fawny or Fawns. And they were uh, play spirits of untamed woodland depicted as half goat and half human. And they were bipedal with legs and tails of a goat and the torso, heads and arms of man. And they often had goat horns and pointy little ears and were based on Hellenistic satyrs. I don't want to I don't want to talk about satyrs. I don't want to talk about satyrs. I have to talk about satyrs. Okay, so they're often depicted as bipedal, originally half horse, half human with embellished erections. And they were considered good for nothing pranksters. And often either seduced or forced themselves on nymphs and women. Eventually, by the Hellenistic period, the iconography slowly changed them to be merged with little pans. Satyrs started becoming... It softened up the image a little bit. No. <laughs> no. Cause I was going to say, every time you say little pan, I'm like, oh, little pan. No. Little scamp. No, no. Uh, <laughs> rapey half goat men. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. Don't ruin right. Mr. Tumnus for me. <laughs> it's okay. I'm done talking about ancient Greece and uh, ancient Rome. Um, so we just Please discussed. Leave all those horny boys in the past. Yes. Let's talk about something a little more modern, a little more close to home. So let's talk about some uh, U.S. goatmen. Yeah. Uh, it, these fall more into urban legend territory because we don't really have enough 
history being only like 250 years old uh 400 years old since settlement to have true myths uh we either have cryptozoological animals like that's where we get like sasquatch or like the hoo-hoo or we have legends so the closest to the fauna seder would be uh Two, well, there's two. I'll start with the Goat Man of Prince George's County, Maryland. This is a pretty short story. In the early 1970s, there was a string of disappearing dogs and dogs being found dead. It should be noted this was really close to a train track. It is speculated that most of these dogs died due to passing trains hitting them, uh, given the state the remains were found in, uh, which were awful it's very likely that they were um, just hit by trains, but stories began circulating that it's, it was the goat man's fault. Uh, the goat man had varying descriptions. Some people described him more as a hairy humanoid, similar to a Sasquatch, by saying that he had a human face and a hairy body. But a lot in the more popular one described him as a horned man with goat legs and a goat tail. Uh, legend states that this creature used to be a scientist who worked at the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center before an experiment on goats backfired and mutated him into a half-goat, half-man whose newfound animal traits led to an aggressive and violent disposition and he receded into the woods where he would live in a makeshift hut in Bowie, Maryland. Uh, but he would occasionally leave this woodland makeshift hut home uh, to either eat a dog or attack a car with an axe. Um, you know, just goat things. Goats are not traditionally carnivores. Nor I do mean, they have axes. Yeah, but I'm on the, I mean, I know there is that, like, there is that trope of, like, ha-ha, goat will eat a tin can. Goats will eat anything, chop it on a tin can. But, like, goats eat, like, vegetation and... Clothes. Like, not dogs <laughs> yeah so there's a right they also don't carry axes traditionally like yeah. I, I guess i'm focusing on the wrong thing here <laughs> yeah uh so this is an urban legend it's also um considered folklore because of how prevalent it is in uh, prince george's county uh maryland uh so a folklorist named barry pearson has done a lot of you know work on the this goat man uh, and he stated that despite popularity from this legend gaining traction during dog attacks in the 1970s, it really, um, the legend has been around for a lot longer. Uh, he feels like it's kept, been kept alive mostly by, and I quote, bored teenagers. <laughs> so basically, it's one of those teenagers sitting, skipping school, sitting by the side of the tracks, or teenagers camping in the woods near Bowie, Maryland, and telling scary stories, and let me tell you what my big brother told me about the goat man. You know what I heard about the goat man. Yeah, and every time a dog tragically dies, yeah. teenagers go, it was the goat man. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to move a little bit um, west. We have another Ozark cryptid. Heck yeah, Ozarks! I, I love his name. He's colloquially known as the goat man, but he is officially known as the Pope Lick Monster of Louisville, Kentucky. He just can't help licking them popes. Licking oh. all them popes. Just licking well, them. It's actually because he's uh, said to live beneath a trestle bridge uh, for the railroad that overpasses Pope Lick Creek. That's not as funny. No, uh, he's supposed to be part <laughs> Wait, sheep. How many popes did the, did the creek lick? I don't know how many. I don't <laughs> know. But he's said to be part man, part sheep, part goat. I don't know why the sheep doesn't get any credit, but... <laughs> 
Uh, so claims vary between the monster jumping down from the trestle onto the roofs of cars, again with these American Goldman attacking cars, and the monster attacking people with a blood-stained axe, again with these monsters attacking people with axes. Uh, this last iteration, though, is said to be so terrifying that the Goatman's victims jump off the bridge to their deaths. So they're just walking on this railroad bridge. Number one, why would they walk on a railroad bridge? But I digress. Uh, and then they just see a half goat, half man, charging after them with a blood-stained axe. And they go, mm, no, I choose death I choose by that. water. <laughs> death by water. And they just jump off. That, yeah, that must be, yeah, for, to choose that, that must be pretty terrifying. Yeah, uh, so legends, again, vary between it being a human-goat hybrid or um, some say, oh, this was a, a somebody in a, in a freak show in a circus that escaped by jumping out of the train and onto the trestle and vowed revenge after the mistreatment and abuses uh, he experienced in the circus. Uh, but my favorite is uh, the one where a farmer sacrificed his goats for satanic powers only to come back to life after death as a goat man. Uh, and it's very satanic panic. And I only mention it because uh, this legend gained more notoriety in the 80s, which is typically known for satanic panic. I'll get, why, is it always, um, why is it always, they always say they're sacrificing? Is it because, is it because of the Bamphamet thing? Is that why it's always I good? I think so. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool looking though. I mean. Yeah. So yeah, in uh, Satanic Panic, we always think the 80s. Uh, in 1988, a 16-minute film called The Legends of the Pope Lick Monster came out and it played in a, a theater, I think somewhere in Louisville. Um, but it was subject to severe criticism. One of the reasons was the 16 year old protagonist survived by jumping. He survived, like a train was coming and he decided to jump off and hold on to the trestle. And that's how he survived. Gotta have some amazing grip strength to do that. Yeah. It takes extreme strength to hang on to a trestle with just upper body strength. Not only that, it takes the train five to seven minutes to cross the bridge. So you're holding on with upper body strength to a trestle for five to seven minutes and the train passing causes enough force to violently shake the ground beneath the trestle. So we're talking like it takes extreme strength. Yeah. Uh, more reasons this film was criticized was th they feared it would lead to more people trying to catch the monster. I should note at this point, this trestle bridge isn't abandoned. It is a major rail artery into Louisville. And though a lot of people think it's abandoned and it's become a popular legend tripping site uh, for people looking for the public monster. That's dangerous. In fact, April 23rd, uh, 2016, a 26-year-old tourist from Ohio decided to search for the monster and was subsequently hit by the train. Ironically, hey. while no. they did, ironically, why they didn't survive, uh, their boyfriend did by doing what the 16-year-old protagonist in the movie from the 80s did and hanging on to the trestle. He was very lucky. And you could I just explained all the strength and what it takes to do that. He is, like, he eats his Wheaties. He is yeah. an outlier. He should not be counted. Going back to 1988, the railroad officials of the Norfolk Southern Railway were so worried about this film causing p 
people to want to hunt the monster and getting getting hit by a train. Uh, So they issued a statement that had to be read at the movie's premiere, warning not only of the dangers of trestles, but warning that anyone who was caught on the trestles would be prosecuted for trespassing. Yeah, that's... When you're like cryptid hunting or urban exploring or randonauting, you have to be so careful to not... Well, first of all, like, don't trespass on stuff. Don't go somewhere that puts you in danger. Like, be safe when you're doing this stuff. It's like, yeah, haha, it's fall fun and games. Let's go cryptid hunting. But, like, you gotta, you gotta be safe. And, like, it's not an yeah. active train trestle. Why? That, and, like, no. the- I'm sure there are signs, like, because I, I live right by a major rail artery, and there are signs. Yeah, so it's just like, be safe. If just general, <laughs> general warning for just people. Just don't put yourself in danger, needlessly. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't, don't put yourself in danger. Anyways, that's all I really have for Goatman. Like I said, this was one that I'm gl- I, I, I hope we don't need to record this a fourth time. <laughs> I am sorry that I'm not super excited. I was super excited the first time I did it. That excitement waned since then. Um, I just really hate satyrs and I hate legend trippers who don't pay attention to what they're- the active railroad trestle. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I'm sorry. This was probably a bummer again. I'm sorry. Maybe my next one will be happy, can't be excited. Although my next one's going to be a a true crime. So maybe not. (laughs) I'll try to pick a happy crime. A happy crime. A happy crime. Happy crime, everybody. Happy crime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I enjoy it, though. I I do like the, I like the kind of, the history of mythology of, of the goat men yeah yeah okay so tell people where they can find us okay first off if you have any stories uh you want to submit uh you can go or any comments criticisms anything um be nice be nice with them nice to us yes uh you can email us at truly fabulously monstrous at gmail.com we also have an instagram truly fabulously monstrous and we have a Twitter, TFAB Monster Pod, because uh, Truly Fabulously Monstrous is too long of a Twitter handle, apparently. 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 All right. So, yep. So, tune in next time as Ace gives you a bummer, because I know what it is, and it's yeah. a bummer. And we will be there, and we hope you will too. Bye. Bye.